Lots of stuff to do today. We're going to talk about some serious stuff. We're going to talk about some wild and crazy stuff. And we are also going to meet somebody who is doing something that will blow your mind. Considering what he's been through. Heart issues, stroke issues, and now he's going to run 898 kilometers in the course of two weeks. Huh? What? Eight hundred? Isn't that a mistake? Don't you mean he's going to run 89.8 kilometers? Because that would still be a feat. Nope. 898. His name is Brett Optoff, and we are going to meet him next hour. And we'll talk a little bit about what he's going to do and why he is going to do it. He's looking to raise money for the Heart and Stroke Foundation. And I'll send out a link in just a little bit on Twitter at Stubbs980 that you can check out. And if you would like to help him, he has a goal of raising $100,000. If you know his story, it's a million-dollar story. You would not believe what this guy has been through. And we'll tell it to you a little later on on London Live. We are going to talk some recycling. We're going to talk some full-time counselors. Last night, the Guelph Storm won. They won. Nick Suzuki and Isaac Radcliffe doing this city proud. Couple of Londoners helping the Guelph Storm get through. See, anybody who looked back at the series between the London Knights and the Guelph Storm and said, oh, look what happened there. You have to realize this is how good the Guelph Storm are. They just have that ability to kind of say, and then wait a minute, we've got to do something. And that's what they do. And when things start going well for them, they can keep them going well. They're going to have to start well against the Ottawa 67s this next round, or they may not be able to battle back. Because here's the thing. No OHL team had ever battled back from down two games to none twice. Guelph has now done that. If you want to follow that logic, no OHL team has ever battled back after falling behind two games to none on three separate occasions in the same playoff run. And I don't think they want to do that. The OHL Championship Series opens on Thursday. But as hard as it is for London Knights fans to say congratulations to the Guelph Storm, you don't have to do that. But congratulate a couple of Londoners in Nick Suzuki and Isaac Radcliffe. Nick Suzuki leads the OHL playoffs in scoring. It's been phenomenal to see what he's done. We're going to have a chance for you to win tickets to go to the Fleetwood Country Cruise-In, which comes up later on this month as the calendar turns to June, when hopefully it'll feel like the calendar is turning to June. Please, could we have that sometime soon? We've got track meets starting at the high school level. Normally, you only have to wear long pants for one track meet, and then it flips, and it's about 35 degrees. TD Stadium's going to be hosting all kinds of things. They need that 35-degree TD Stadium air. We don't have that yet. We'll see if we can get it. But we'll have a chance for you to win tickets to go to the Fleetwood Country Cruise-In. In just a couple of minutes, we are going to get a lowdown on tax deadline day. If you've already filed your taxes, that's one thing. But if you ever wondered how far-reaching the powers of Revenue Canada could be? I mean, are they Avengers-type things? Because Avengers have powers, right? I've I got to watch this stuff. I know that Iron Man doesn't really have powers. He has a suit. But Spider-Man has some powers, and he's an Avenger, right? I got to figure this stuff out. I'm not good with my superheroes. I got to get better. It used to be it didn't matter if you didn't know who superheroes were. You had people who read comic books and you had people who didn't read comic books. Now superheroes are just part of the fabric of society. 
I got to figure this stuff out. So if if you're to look at the powers of Revenue Canada, could they be one of the Avengers? I think they could be. And I think they would be in that classification, right? People always look and say, oh, revenue, oh, the government. Yeah, but but they are the good guys, technically. All they're doing is is making sure that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? They're a lot like superheroes. You don't like that I'm calling the government a superhero, do you? You don't like, I know, I know. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Lisa Gittins is going to join us, and we'll talk about how far-reaching the powers of the government happen to be, and just what they can do to get their money. So even if you've already filed, even if you're just waiting for your nice big return check, that's okay. But let's look at some pretty extreme circumstances. And I've always wondered, if you have to file by today, is it that they have to receive them by today? Because I worry about that. What if you mail them? Or is it They just have to be set off by today. We'll figure all of that out. Lisa is basically a superhero of her own, and she'll join us next on London Live. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. At City Hall right now, we have a meeting going on, and at some point, Councillor Michael Van Hulse is going to be making his pitch. It could be happening any, any minute now, may have just happened, but he's going to be making his pitch for full-time councillors. This is somebody who is going to be running for a different level of government, but he is looking at the pitch for full-time councillors. And you've heard him say on 980 CFPL News, and yesterday, or a little while ago, he was in actually with Devin Peacock, and he was talking about the idea that they don't have to have 14 wards. You wouldn't necessarily have to have 14 councillors. You could trim the number a little bit, I don't know. Full-time full-time counselors? Some people work more than full-time hours now. But then you have other counselors. I'm not going to single anybody out. You can look back in history, and they have not necessarily put in the same kind of work that some counselors have. So that's always the danger. You've got to elect the right people. Does it change things? It's, it's difficult to tell, because I don't know that that London is big enough for this yet. We'll talk about this a little later. And in fact, we'll get some thoughts on this. I'll play a clip from London Mayor Ed Holder on his thoughts on this, just in case you missed it. That's coming up. Plus, spoilers. The last couple of days, have you have you noticed this? Doesn't matter where you have been, but if you have said one of two things. One is Game of Thrones. If you've said those words, or if somebody in a room filled with people has said those words, have you not noticed that at least one person in the room has gone, no, 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 don't, don't, just a second, and they go running out of the room, and they cover their ears, and they go, no, 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 they don't want to hear, because they have it recorded somewhere, they don't want to know. They're trying to stay away from any info. They're trying to stay away from any spoilers. And the other thing that you can say is, did you go to the movies on the weekend? Immediately go, oh, no, 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 no. Because if you say the word Avengers, they do the same thing. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. We need some spoiler etiquette because with social media now, the one thing you, I think, would have to do with spoilers is stay completely away from social media. There's no way that you could possibly be cruising through going, I wonder what's on my Twitter feed. If you had some kind of show like Game of Thrones recorded or if you had not seen the Avengers movie, because eventually you're just going to come across somebody who has written something that says, oh, can you believe what happened there? I didn't think that would happen at all. 
So we'll discuss that. If you have any rules that should become hard and fast, either for people who are looking not to have things spoiled for them, or for people who just seem to blurt it out and be the spoiler, we need to put together a rule book for spoilers. Rules for spoilers so that you have the ability to record. Because we live in that kind of a society. If you miss London Live or if you miss the Craig Needles show, you can always find it in podcast form. You can listen to it when you want to. Now, it won't be live, so if something happens right now, like if a fireball comes out of the sky and lands on Wellington Road, we're going to make sure we mention that. And it'll sound a little weird after the fact. You can say, yeah, that was just the movie stunt. New Avengers movie was filming in London, Ontario. But you, as it happened, would be able to hear it live. That's, that's one of the cool things about live. But we live in a world where you should be able to listen to things when you want to listen to them or when you want to watch them. And that brings about, huh, spoilers. So, 20 minutes from now, we'll put together the rules. Right now, let's talk about some other hard and fast rules. Tax rules. You must have your tax return for 2018 in today. Lisa Gittens is with H&R Block and joins us now. Lisa, is this technically happy tax deadline day? This is very, very true. This is happy tax deadline day. Great work. Hopefully, it is a very happy day for everybody, but you're going to be able to help us out because we do need some advice on what exactly is happening on tax deadline day. We all know that we need to file our taxes, but uh, things can kind of get in the way or things can kind of happen where maybe we don't get them done on time. Let's start off with the actual deadline. Is it Midnight tonight? Is it 6 p.m.? Is there an 8.30 thing? When do we have to have these in? It, the, so the official deadline is 11.59 p.m. tonight, which oh. is April 30th, 2019. So it, if we hit midnight, we're late. It, 11.59 is the deadline. Okay, that's that's the first thing we definitely need to know. Now, if you are mailing it, I don't even know if you can find a post office that is open that would put a nice big stamp on that that said, hey, this made it out on April 30th. But if you mail it by midnight, does that count or does it have to arrive by 11.59? Fantastic question. It has to be mailed. So the stamp on the envelope, you know, you get that postmark stamp from the post office, has to be stamped April 30th. Okay, and the post office does not mess around. This is not, you can show up tomorrow and say, hey, can you grab yesterday's stamp and drop that down on, that's not going to happen. So don't even think like that. Make sure you get it into the mail. Don't even think about it. Okay, so we have to, and, and you have to also not just have it in by midnight, you have to have the forms completed, right? That is correct. So here's the thing. Best way for people to be filing across Canada really is online because you can file from the comfort of your coffee shop, cottage, condo. When you hit that file button, you're going to get a confirmation code from Revenue Canada. You know and they know you filed the return on April 30th before midnight. If you're still with the paper and the calculator, make sure you get to the post office before they close on April 30th so it can be postmarked. Now, 
this is the deadline for filing the return if you are filing your personal taxes. If you are self-employed, your tax filing deadline is June 15th. That's a big thing. That's, that's a big thing. So if you are self-employed, you actually have a whole lot more time. You have more time. Here's the catch with that. If you're preparing your self-employed return and you have a balance owing, that balance must be paid by midnight, April 30th. Okay. Great tips. We are talking right now with Lisa Giddings, Senior Tax Professional, H&R Block Canada, and we're looking at what has to happen today, which is Happy Tax Deadline Day. Hopefully it feels happy for you. Lisa, let's turn to a couple of scenarios. One being, what if you don't get your taxes in? If you are not self-employed, these are just your own personal things, if you don't get a return in, what happens then? Now, that's a very good question, because if you don't get the return filed and you owe a balance, now you are subject to a late filing penalty right away, right off the top. You owe $100, your penalty is 5% of the balance owing because you filed after April 30th. Now, for every month that you are late Paying the balance owed, there's a 1% interest added. That interest can be continually be added for up to 12 months. So if you file late with a balance, you're potentially adding up to 17% extra to your balance. Ah, that's 17%. That's, that can be a lot. If, if you say $100, well, yeah, it's $17. If it's more than that, that can all of a sudden start to add up in a hurry. Now, Revenue Canada would still be owed that money. What can they do to get money that they are owed other than wait for you to say, oh, yeah, I got to pay that. Okay, here you go. What can they do? Good question. Now, I always recommend file your return on time Pay your balance on time. If you do not have the balance, call Revenue Canada. Set up a payment plan because if you, if they send you your notice of assessment, so this is key, you filed on time but you didn't pay, you get your notice of assessment. The minute that notice of assessment shows up, it says, Mike, you owe $30. You have 90 days from the time that that assessment shows up to pay that balance off. If you don't, they can start to take action. Now, they'll send you several letters, and if you continue to fail to respond, keep in mind, Revenue Canada can take the money from your bank account. They have that authority. Oh, wait a minute. Not just from your paycheck or anything like that? They can actually reach into your bank account? They can go into your bank account. They're not, they're CRA, they're a government agency. So they've, you know you owe. They've sent you the notice of assessment. You still fail to respond within that 90 days. You haven't set up a payment plan. They can go to your bank account and they can take out the $30 that you owe. Now they won't start seizing your pay or any other assets until they take 
further action, so contacting you to let you know. But if you are an employee, they can seize up to 50% of your wages. If you are a contract worker, they can seize 100% of your wages. If you're self-employed, they can seize up to 100% of your receivables, your invoices coming in from your customers. So don't go those extra steps. <laughs> you know you owe. File on time. If you don't have the money, call them. They're really good with setting up a payment plan because they want their payment. And if you are willing to say, I'll pay you over three months, it means Revenue Canada doesn't have to send out letters and take all these extra steps. So work with them. File, pay on time, or set up a payment plan. Lisa Giddens with us, Senior Tax Professional with H&R Block Canada. Lisa, just a couple of other things. You have the ability to calculate things, and then you can pay pretty easily if you have to pay. It, it becomes kind of like a bill out of your account. Now, could you not send in your paperwork on time, but pay on time and make everything okay, or is that not advised either? So this that's a really good question, especially when you're looking at someone who's self-employed. Now, remember, they have until June 15th to file. So if they know they have a balance, they want to pay that balance April 30th. Meanwhile, they're still getting their paperwork in order, and they file their return after. Revenue Canada is really good in keeping track of if you've overpaid, so you'll see a credit on your account. They'll either send you that overpayment back, if that's the case, or they'll apply it to another year. Always, always, whatever you do, file the return on time. If you've made an error, you can refile using online software or make an adjustment to that return. The key here is filing on time to avoid that late filing 5% penalty, boom, right away. And then you can figure out the paperwork afterwards. Well, Lisa, we want to thank you for helping us to figure all of this out now. So tonight, by 11.59, you've got to have that postage stamp on or do it online and make sure you get those in. No one wants 17% to rack up. And nobody wants any issues from Revenue Canada being able to reach into their bank account. That is Lisa Gittens from H&R Block, where she is a tax specialist. So today's the day, unless, of course, you are self-employed. Look at all the things we were able to learn. Okay, we've got some ideas coming in on spoiler rules. We're going to deal with those following news in less than 10 minutes from now. If you have any rules because you have had something spoiled for you, or if you even have a story on when you had something... You do this in sports all the time if you risk trying to record a game... Oh, no, I'm going to record that game. I'm going to avoid the score for an entire day. No, you're not. No, you may think that that's what you're going to do, but that's not what you're going to do because at some point you will find out what happened. Same sort of thing with movies, same sort of thing with TV shows and the big cliffhangers that can come up. And Game of Thrones wasn't even a cliffhanger, was it? Now, here's the rule when we talk about this in less than 10 minutes. 
No spoiling. You can't, not even on the radio, you cannot spoil. But if you have any rules, you can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. And we're going to meet Brett Optoff before 2 o'clock or just after 2 o'clock. He's an amazing story. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Still to come on London Live, if you had ever suffered a stroke, if you had had open-heart surgery, if you'd had both of those things happen to you, what would you be looking to do in life? I'd kind of take it easy. I'd kind of sit still a lot, I think. Well, we're going to meet a man who's doing nothing of the sort. No sitting still. He's planning on running the entire Bruce Trail, and he has had a stroke, and he has had open-heart surgery, and he might be the ultimate poster person for the Heart and Stroke Foundation, because he's experienced both. And he still plans to run the entire Bruce Trail. That's 898 kilometers. So he's going to do this over the course of many months, several years. Nope. Uh, he's taking a couple weeks off at the end of the summer. Couldn't do it then. And the hope is that he will raise thousands of dollars for heart and stroke research. So we will meet Brett Optoff before the end of the show today. He does not mind you knowing what his end goal is. He doesn't mind you knowing that this is the entire story. And he'll tell us his story. It's pretty wild. And it's one of those ones that makes you realize, I need to know the signs of a heart attack. Or I need to know the signs of a serious infection. Or I need to know the signs of a stroke. He doesn't mind that his whole story will be out there. There are a lot of people walking around right now worried that whole stories are going to be told. With the end of Game of Thrones' latest episode, and I haven't watched an episode of Game of Thrones, I don't know much about it. The word clan, dragon, that's, that's, where, my, that's where my knowledge stops. So I'm not going to pretend to know what the fascination is, because I don't know. But I know that an episode just went by that has people running around going, Don't tell me! I recorded the episode! I think we need some rules. I think we need some guidelines. And the other thing is, the Avengers movie, which, what, topped a billion dollars? This thing was massive. Absolutely massive. And people were racing to get it, trying to get tickets online. And if you were somebody who was trying to get tickets to a very early showing, that was tough. You didn't always come away with the pair that you wanted. You didn't always come away with a pair. Honey, we're going to the movies tonight. You're going to sit on that side of the movie theater. I'm going to sit on, oh, in the other movie theater, because that's all we could get. That's the kind of thing that was going on. And people are saying, no, 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 don't, don't tell, don't tell. So I think we need a little rule of thumb on spoilers. Or if you have a good spoiler story, we need to share those, because that can really illustrate to the potential spoiler just how bad this can be. So if you have had something that you either haven't seen or you've tried to keep hidden from yourself, that's ultimately what you're doing, so that you can enjoy it later, if you've had that and somebody has spoiled it for you, if you can either send us that story, you can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca, you can tweet me at Stubbs980, or phone lines are open right now. Let's prove to the spoilers this is how bad it gets. This, this is what happens. I was hoping to do this. I was this close. I was so close. I've got a good buddy named Andrew who 
who records a lot of the World Cup soccer matches and then goes home and wants to watch them. And yet he has to find a way between that match being played and the getting home to not know the score. Sometimes it works, sometimes not so much. So what should we have for spoiler rules? How long should you have to go? Or what is okay and what's not okay? Because not all of this should be put on the people who have already seen the thing. Some of this has to be on the person who's trying to keep things hidden from themselves. You want to not go on social media? That's going to help you. You got to stay away from social media. I think that's a given. 519-643-2222. Let's set some spoiler rules. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. And again, the phone number, 519-643-2222. Back to set some of those rules in a moment on London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Okay, I may have a story already. It actually involves a VCR. I didn't think that would happen. It involves a VCR, and it comes in from Tim. Tim says, you want a spoiler story? Here's my ultimate spoiler story. I was born in Calgary and have been a Calgary Flames fan since before I could remember. I even had Calgary Flames feet pajamas. Okay, that's a Calgary Flames fan. When they went to the Stanley Cup final against Tampa Bay, I was able to be in Calgary for part of that series. I was at the game that they actually won the Stanley Cup, but the goal was disallowed. All right. Unfortunately, I couldn't be in Tampa Bay for Game 7. I had moved at that point and was back home for Game 7 and decided to record it because I had to work a double shift since I had been on vacation the week before. I recorded Game 7 and was all set to watch it. I was driving home when my buddy calls me and says, Hey, did you see that? Can you believe it? They were that close. And I knew they had lost. Never, never, and this is not from Tim, but never, never call somebody an open like that. You want to make sure that they know what you're talking about first so that they have the at least the chance to go, whoa, 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 I, I recorded it. <laughs> Tim says, I went to that videotape. I have never actually watched the game. I keep it as a reminder never to spoil something for anyone else ever. All right, Tim, thank you for that. So there's proof. There is proof. We need spoiler rules. Phone lines are open, 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca, or you can tweet me at Stubbs980. Jerry says, think before you post and show consideration for others. I get that people are excited about what they just watched, but put a lid on it for one week. Is that a good guideline? One week? Here's the other issue, though. Again, it shouldn't all come down to the person that's trying to hide something from themselves. They shouldn't be allowed to go on social media. You shouldn't go to places where you can find out what happened. If you know there are many hungry lions in your neighborhood and they are in a backyard, you should not go to that backyard because there will be a chance that you are attacked and eaten by hungry lions. So don't walk into the lion's den. In other words, you can't go on Twitter. You can't go on Instagram. Yeah, but I want to. Yeah, but you can't. Nobody on Twitter or Instagram should have to, because as you watch a show, 
You can watch it as a community. I mean, show watching changed as soon as Twitter came around because it didn't matter whether it was a show, doesn't matter whether it's sports. You can watch it with the rest of the world. You can tweet out how you feel, what you think, and you're watching it with the rest of the world. It's kind of a neat experience that we've created for ourselves. So you can't walk into the lion's den. So that is rule number one. Jerry has put a week on it. Uh, Jude has said a three-day grace period to post any relevant spoilers or images on group social media, portals, Facebook, chat groups, Instagram. So that's not bad. But I still think there's that initial watch. And as soon as something's out there, who knows when you're going to see it? I mean, Twitter has that very fancy little thing of, in case you missed it, and they'll throw in some tweets that could be a day old, 18 hours old, who knows? So that's kind of what you wind up running into that way. So how do you watch it using social media and then have everything erased? That's not going to happen. And Twitter's not going to help you out there. And Facebook's not going to help you out there. Facebook's barely getting rid of those horrible quizzes that it put out there. It's going to crack down on those quizzes. So Jude says three-day grace period. All right, email from Carmen says, uh, as long as a movie is still in theaters, you can't talk about it. That should be the main rule of thumb. Okay, that's legit. That's a good That's a good spoiler rule. As long as a movie is still in theaters, you can't talk about it. And Carmen goes on, TV, you should give it a season because now people are binge watching. You never know when they're actually going to get around to that season. Keep it quiet until the next season comes out. Are those fair? Yeah, I think so. But some of this has to be on the person that is trying to keep it secret from themselves. I think that rule has to be in there as well. Thank you for the suggestions. 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfbl.ca or you can tweet me at Stubbs980. Back with more in a moment. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Okay, I was all set to close out the spoiler conversation, but how can we close it out without a thought from Marilyn? Marilyn, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, dear. I wasn't going to call because I thought I should give other people a chance. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. Marilyn, you're always welcome. You well, know that. Thank, thank you very, very much. Well, I think it's pretty mean of people to tell you the end, how a movie ends, or how a show ends, or how a game ends. I think it's pretty mean. And I don't, I really don't appreciate being told, uh, you know, how things end. I'd like to find about myself. But if they're mean enough to tell me, well, I watch it anyway and try to enjoy. Now, what if somebody does it by accident? Because I think that's one of the keys to the old spoiler thing, where you think enough people have heard it, so boom, out comes the conversation. What well, about that? that's a little bit different. That's a little bit different. But I know somebody close to me. Uh, and I won't say it who who it is, but we'll say oh well that it that it doesn't end right. They all die, and that's depressing. You know, I like to have a happy ending to anything I watch. Marilyn, thank you for contributing that. Well, could I want to ask you? Sure. Did Jack wear a tie on Friday night to the prom? Oh, I haven't answered that. I've had a couple of emails about that. Yes. Uh, yes, he did. He had two buddies who did not wear ties, but he had his, he was almost ready to even downgrade to a pineapple shirt. But really? when his date arrived, she said, no, no, the tie. And so he put on the tie, and they had a great old time. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Did you tell him that I thought he'd be the handsomest boy in the room? I definitely did. Oh, good, good. Well, he is handsome. I think that uh, that Kylie, is that her name, Mm -hmm. looks like you. She's a beautiful girl, and you're a handsome man. Marilyn, you always make me feel so good. Thanks for the call. Okay, dear, and you just uh, have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. After 2 o'clock, we are going to get a chance to meet a man by the name of Brett Optoff, and Brett is going to be running the Bruce Trail, the entire length of it, 898 kilometers worth. He is someone who has experienced stroke, so he is a stroke survivor, and he has also had open-heart surgery that was brought on not necessarily by a heart attack, but after an infection had basically done a number on his heart. He had to have open-heart surgery to get fixed up. And he's got great stories about the healthcare system and how he was treated because he was treated very, very well in London and in Toronto. And so we're going to hear from Brett. He'll outline exactly what happened to him and then what he is planning to do, which is run the Bruce Trail to raise money for heart and stroke. But before we close out, I found this today. While we're talking about infection and bacteria, because that's part of Brett's Story. He actually contracted an infection and it wound up doing damage to his heart. And the infection itself may have led to his stroke ultimately as well. So if we're talking about infection and we're talking about bacteria that are around and spreading infection, there is a neat story that comes out of Britain. And what it has done is it has looked at filthy food habits. And it has looked at certain things that are done. Double dipping. You know, double dipping is always a concern of everybody's. So how unhealthy is double dipping? How unhealthy is it if you lick the same ice cream? Who's licking the same ice cream? I mean, if you date, eh, you're not doing this with a buddy. You're not saying, hey, have you tried my Rocky Rock? That's not happening. No one would do that, right? I don't know about the licking of the same ice cream. Uh, Popcorn. In a bowl that everybody is sharing. How unhealthy is that? The five-second rule they looked into. And here's one that we don't even think about. Happy birthday. What happens at a birthday party? I don't know. You have a cake with some candles. Yes, exactly. What happens when you blow out those candles? Somebody blows out the candles. No, no, no. What are they doing? Yeah, that part. So let's begin there. They looked at a thing that was done by a British professor and also one that was done by a professor at Clemson University. And in fact, the happy birthday part of this comes from Professor Dawson from Clemson University. He looked at a cake and then had candles put in on the cake, and they lit the candles. They pretended it was somebody's birthday, and then somebody blew out the cake. And they found that after the blowing out of the candles, there was 1,400% more bacteria on the icing. I hadn't even thought of this. How many cakes, and this is not that this is going to, anything's going to be life-threatening, but they had, they had some tests. So you want to spread a cold quickly? Get a bunch of five-year-olds together and have one of them blow out the candles on the cake. How many times have you eaten birthday cake in your life that someone has blown out the candles on? I haven't even thought of this before. Yeah. 
the spitting, the sputtering, it's all part of the blowing. And especially at the end, you want to get those last couple of candles, that's where that noise comes in. So 1,400% growth in bacteria on the cake from people blowing out the candles. Uh, Five-second rule, as you might imagine, not a thing. If there is bacteria on the ground, the bacteria does not wait for something to land on it and then say, oh, peanut butter, one, two, three Mississippi. No, it leaches and latches onto the peanut butter or into the peanut butter or whatever it is right away. There's no five-second rule. That's not a thing. One thing you actually might be surprised about, popcorn diving. So if you're sharing a bowl of popcorn, obviously it matters how clean everybody's hands are. But let's say that you're you're dealing with people who typically wash their hands on a regular basis. They found out that there are relatively small amounts of bacteria on popcorn transferred from hand to the popcorn because you're not blowing on the popcorn, right? And if it's too hot, don't blow on the entire bowl. You get back into the birthday cake situation. Licking the same ice cream. I don't know who's doing this. Stop doing this if you are, but UK vendors used to sell ice cream in what was called a penny lick container, and you could lick it and taste it and return it to the vendor, and then they'd give it to somebody else. That became a problem because uh, tuberculosis and cholera started to be a real issue, and they actually traced it back to the licking of the ice cream. So don't. That's that's a big one from the, the sharing the ice cream. Don't do that. And finally, double dipping. So how bad is double dipping? Well, Professor Paul Dawson at Clemson University took a look at this, measured the transfer of bacteria from a chip that was bitten into by giving nine volunteers a cracker each, said, okay, bite into this, then dip it into dip for three seconds, and the average number of bacteria transferred after six double dips 10,000. So that's even more than the birthday cake. So yeah, the double dipping, no. The proper way to do it, there's a spoon in the dip. You have the plate in your hand. You take some of the dip out, you put it on the plate, and you dip into the plate. Double dipping and the birthday cake. Biggest transfers of bacteria. Thank you to Professor Dawson from Clemson. Coming up in hour number two, we're going to talk about full-time counselors. We are going to give you a chance to win tickets to go to the Fleetwood Country Cruise Inn. We are also going to lay out what is coming up next. We talked yesterday with Carolyn Jarvis, who is the chief investigative reporter for Global News. She has a three-part series, which hits part number two tonight, on recycling in Canada and big issues. And tonight focuses in on something right near London, Ontario. So we'll lay out what she's going to be looking at. And we're also going to meet Brett Optoff, who is about to run the Bruce Trail. Next up, news. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Brett Optoff coming up. He is going to run the full length of the Bruce Trail. That's coming up. 898 kilometers is what that thing runs. Why is he doing that? Well, he's raising money. For heart and stroke, because he's been affected by both. So that is on the way on London Live. You know what else is on the way? Brett's going to do that at the end of the summer. So he's still in the process of training. And we'll check in with him a couple of times as he prepares for that particular event over a course of two weeks. 898 Ks over the course of two weeks. 
from a stroke survivor and a guy who has had open heart surgery. He's an amazing individual. Coming up at the end of this month, we have the Fleetwood Country Cruise Inn. And we happen to have tickets to give away to the Fleetwood Country Cruise Inn. Happens May 31st to June 2nd at the Plunkett Estate. And we want to make this real easy. Today, it's Tuesday. It's a little gray. It's a little cold. Let's make it caller 3 519 643-2222. If you want tickets to go to the Fleetwood Country Cruise Inn, they've got a multi-charity event happening throughout the weekend. It runs Saturday and Sunday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. with a car show. You've got Tony Orlando performing. You've got Paul Revere and the Raiders, Mitch Ryder, Gary Lewis, and the Playboys. Tony Orlando. Did I mention Tony Orlando? 519-643-2222. We will take caller three. That's all you need to be in order to win this afternoon. Maybe later on this week when the weather's nicer, we'll make it a little bit more challenging. But right now, that's all we need. Brett Optoff. Might be a name that you're just hearing for the very first time. But it is a name that is going to symbolize a whole lot when he is finished what he is up to. And that is the running of the Bruce Trail. And he is planning on doing that again at the end of the summer. The goal, raise $100,000 for heart and stroke research. And I will tweet out the link to that. You can go to support.heartandstroke.ca. And then you're looking for 898 strong, 898 for the 898 kilometers that the Bruce Trail is. But Brett gets to train and gets to do this, and that's kind of how he's looking at it, because it is easily, easily that he would not be able to do this. He easily, easily thought of that he would not be able to do this simply because of what he has been through. So let's meet Brett and find out what has been happening in his life. Brett, how are you? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Are you, are you ready? Are you, are you focused? Uh, I'm, I'm focused. Uh, I'm just in the process of getting ready. <laughs> uh, yep, just in the kind of, beginning stages of the training uh, my body to get back into the endurance shape that it needs to be to accomplish my run and my feet. And, um, so it's it's a little slow right now, but now it's coming along pretty good. We mentioned the numbers on this. Let's mention them again in case anybody hadn't heard them the first time. The Bruce Trail from Tobermory to Niagara is 898 kilometers, which you plan to cover in two weeks' time. And I'm just going to check this again. You're not using a dirt bike. No, no, no. It's uh, it's all going to be running. Yeah, so I've got a, a, a roughly a 16-day window to do it in. Um, uh, I've taken a couple weeks off from work, and I'm going to venture off August 31st and see how long it takes me. And I, I do have personal goals, but if as long as, in my mind, if I'm in that 16-day window, like, I'm not going to break any records. There are speed records for this. I'm not going to come close to it. It, it. And it's not even about that. It's about raising awareness and money for the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Um, yeah, so it's just um, yeah, it's just going to be running the entire trail, camping out. And 
I'm not one of those guys that's going to do, or people, um, that's going to be in a hotel sleeping or in a van. I, I want to really rough this and bring my hammock or tent and just camp it out and see how it goes. That is incredible. Okay, well, we'll talk about what kind of a support team you will have with you, if anything. I don't know. It sounds like we've got a hammock and dried food, and, and that might be it. But let's <laughs> oh, talk no, about... Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Let's talk about why heart and stroke. This is not something that you've randomly picked. This is something that is very near and dear to your life. When yeah. would you say that your life really changed? Um, so my life really changed uh, back in November of uh, 2012. Um, I was uh, through a medical procedure. Um, I contracted a very rare blood infection called bacterial endocarditis, um, where it, it, it attacks your heart and your, your valves surrounding the heart, um, where mine, uh, my aortic valve, um, so I was born with a bicuspid aortic valve, well, not born, it was um, the tricuspid, kind of two of the flaps merged into one uh, to create a bicuspid, and you're more prone to wear and tear throughout the course of your life. Um, so mine got damaged very extensively, um, to the point where the next, over the course of, you know, the next 14, 15 months, my valve had basically disintegrated to nothing where, um, so the aortic valve, it, it stops the blood from getting back into your heart after your heart pumps it through your body. Um, well, mine it wasn't stopping it. it. The heart, the blood was just constantly getting back into my heart. My heart's working twice as much. Um, but I, I still, you know, did everything what I normally would do, not as well. Like I, um, I still tried running, um, playing squash, going to the gym, walking, working. Um, so I, over that course, my, kind of trained my body to live with very little oxygen. Um, so my oxygen <laughs> uh, went down to about 60%, uh, my oxygen intake. Wow. Did you walk so, around with blue lips? I mean, if you get down below 80%, uh, all of a sudden you, you can start to see it on somebody. Yeah. I Like, I never really noticed it, but uh, after my surgery, a lot of people were like, wow, you, you don't look gray anymore. I'm like, why didn't somebody tell me this prior? I would have gone tanning or something, but... Um, <laughs> So, uh, no, it, it was nothing like that. Like I, I'm looking back at some of my pictures. Uh, I do look very skinny and frail. Um, I didn't really lose too much weight. It was just the way I looked. It just, I just didn't look healthy. But, um, so anyways, uh, May of 2014, I had open heart surgery at Toronto general, um, through, and I just lucked out that I, basically had the best of the best. Uh, my surgeon was the best in the world. My cardiologist here in, or in London is the best in Canada, um, in my mind. Um, so I just kind of lucked out with the, the medical side of things of like who I was seeing. Um, so yeah, I, I was completely fine after that. And then, um, so every other year I get an MRI just to make sure that everything's working properly. And during this time last year, I had an MRI for one for my, my valve and one for my back. So I had two herniated discs in my back. 
Wow. And how had how had you actually figured out that there was an issue? If you were basically pushing through this, you were basically going without the regular amount of oxygen that a human body gets. How did this ultimately get to surgery? Did someone finally say, hey, you, you need to go and get looked at? Uh, yeah. So um, it was, so when I contracted the infection, um, your body usually like, especially when you get, like, a really, really severe blood infection uh, or any infection, your body wants to fight off the bacteria. So you go through a, a process that's called, a, I think it's Riger or Rigger shakes, um, where you can get the extreme chills where you just cannot stop shaking no matter what. And then within, like, a half an hour, you could be full-blown 101, 102 fever. And that's what I had for about a week. And I was um, in and out, um, going back to work, off for a day, back to work. And I had no idea what was going on. So it was just to the point one day where um, I went, saw my, and I'm not a type of person that likes to go to see doctors about anything. I, I don't complain about really much. Doesn't sound um, like so it. I my, <laughs> so I saw my, my dad came over and, uh, rushed me to my family doctor, and he's like, no, get right to the hospital. I'm calling it in. Um, so I immediately got into critical care. Um, so I was in the um, uh, CCU for about four days, um, and then that's where they determined that it was, at the time, it was streptococcus pneumonia, um, and they had fought it off. Um, and then uh, it just so happened that they wanted to do some checkups, because they knew that I had this bicuspid aortic valve. So I went to University Hospital in London, and I had a TEE, so a transio, I can't remember what it stands for, Um, but it's basically just putting a camera down your throat um, just to to see this extensive damage that could have happened. So from there, they determined that there was a little bit of regurgitation getting back into my heart. So... um, it had already had damaged my bowel. And then through that period on, um, I was referred to um, another cardiologist in London. Um, and that's the one who, in my mind, is the best in Canada. Um, and then we kind of did, um, through the course of the next year, various tests, two stress tests, a couple MRIs. Um, and then it was determined that, yeah, it, the valve um, was deteriorating a bit too rapidly, and my oxygen intake was starting to drop a bit more. So um, he referred me to a colleague of his at Toronto General, and I had the surgery there. Stop you there. We'll take a quick break because that is only part of the story. And we'll get to the second half of that story in just a moment. Do want to congratulate Shirley Hotham, who won tickets to the Fleetwood Country Cruise Inn, and we'll have more tickets to give away on tomorrow's show. So if you did not win today, you still have an opportunity. But we have more of Brett's story coming in a moment. So a valve that had deteriorated, had great health care in London, in Toronto, and went in for surgery. But that's that's only part of this. And Brett is going to be running the Bruce Trail. This is after having a valve in his heart replaced and what's about to come next. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.
We are talking with Brett Optoff, and if you're just joining us right now, don't worry. We can fill you in on some of the things that we have already discussed with Brett. One, he is going to be running from Tobermory to Niagara along the Bruce Trail, 898 kilometers of it. He's going to do it in two weeks, a little later on this summer. His goal, raise $100,000 for heart and stroke research. So that is a hefty goal, but he's got a hefty story. We've just talked about an infection that Brett contracted. He's always been a healthy guy. He's always been an active guy. But an infection that he contracted that deteriorated a valve in his heart to the point it had to be replaced. Well, you had surgery, Brett, and you've talked about how great the doctors were. After you had that surgery, what happened? Were you were you right back to 100%? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like... Um... Basically, I, I felt brand new again. Uh, as soon as I could start running, I went right back to close to my normal, you know, minutes per or my normal like kilometer pace, um, which I was just like, wow, I went from uh, running a normal 430 kilometer pace to maybe running a seven minute kilometer pace when I when I couldn't breathe very well. Um, and it, it, I, I describe it as, uh, you, when you're in the winter and you get that really bitter cold, it's really hard to take a deep breath and it's got that, you can really feel it on the lungs. Yeah. That, that's what it felt like all the time. Um, when you were running or just period, that was, that was get out of bed in the morning and man, it feels like it's minus 20 in here. Yeah. Like it, when, um, it started off where it was just running and doing exercise and then by the, the end of it, it was pretty much every day, no matter what, that's what it felt like. And then, um, I went right back the day I could start running again to getting back to like that 445 pace. And I'm like, wow, this is insane. Um, so like I was saying, yeah, uh, over the next year or so, I felt great, you know, um, had an MRI, a couple MRIs and I do that every other year. So last, this time last year, I was saying I had the two MRIs, and uh, they always take blood prior to your MRI. And lo and behold, <laughs> there was either bacteria on my arm or bacteria on the needle, and I got into my bloodstream, and uh, I had bacterial endocarditis, endocarditis again, which I didn't realize up until, um, well, obviously in October, uh, so from April to October, I kind of noticed something was off. My uh, energy level started dropping month to month where I, you know, I was like, okay, something's weird here. Like, um, I can't do the distances or stuff that I used to do. But, I, you know, I, I chalked it up, you know, maybe I'm getting old. You know, I'm 42 now and at the time I was 41 and just like, okay, maybe I just need to slow down. And um, so in the... Um, in October, I got up with uh, what I thought was just a severe ear infection or sinus infection because I had a really wicked earache, um, which then turned into a really massive migraine in behind my right eye. Uh, so I, I didn't want to, you know, lay in bed. So I just got up and um, I went to go to the couch and ended up uh, getting having complete paralysis on my left side and 
I couldn't walk, stumbled into the wall, crashed on the wall, um, fell down, hit my head off of the table, complete paralysis on my left side. Um, so I, I went to the hospital with basically stroke-like symptoms where complete paralysis on my left side. I was released. So this was probably around four or five o'clock in the morning by the time I got to the hospital. I was released from the hospital by 11 a.m. to basically defend for myself. Um, because at that point, um, you didn't know that you were having a stroke. I literally had, yeah, I had no idea what was going on. The, um, the ER, ER doctor at the time said, minimum you've had is um, like a little minor stroke. Um, and it, it was basically like he kind of explained it briefly, gave me a pamphlet to read over and then I was like, do you have any questions? I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I am so groggy. I'm still dazed. I, at this time, they, nobody knew I had actually hit my head, which is funny because my earlobe was bleeding. I had cuts on the back of my head and my jaw was all bruised. Wow. So, um, uh, yeah, so I ended up getting back to my friend's place in Paris and I you know, laid down, slept, and I got up. And then that's where I realized, I'm like, wow, I saw my head. And um, I eventually got tested and had a severe concussion. So that, again, shouldn't I ever have slept after that. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't until um, the day before, uh, yeah, so 11 days afterwards, where I had an MRI, and then it revealed that I had a series of strokes um, so then from there, we could start progressively figuring out what caused the strokes. And then, um, so through, um, a, a thing called when you get to the hospital, you take, uh, if you do have some sort of infection, doctors usually go with, uh, blood cultures where they take a couple vials of blood and then they test it, um, on every on the second day and then the fifth day. So the second day is usually where you get uh, your usual regular kind of blood infections or infections. On the fifth day is where like the severe kind of infections can show up and the very rare ones. So on the fifth day, lo and behold, that's where it showed up that I had um, bacterial endocarditis again, but this time a very rare strain of it. Um, so what had happened was uh, over the course of that six months or whatever, um, when I originally got it, part of it in October had part of the bacteria had broke off because um, it had kind of surrounded my aortic valve, like the prosthetic one, and part of it had broke off and caused some micro blood clots, which stopped the blood flow from getting to my brain, which caused a series of strokes. Is, is remarkable. The fact that you are still here to tell it is amazing. So thank you for telling the story. We'll check in again and we'll talk more about what your training has been like and all those sorts of things. So enjoy the afternoon. Brett Optoff. Brett is going to be running the Bruce Trail and his run is being called 898 Strong. So 
898 kilometers in two weeks, and the goal is to raise $100,000 for heart and stroke research. He's been affected by both. I have tweeted the link, so if you look up at Stubbs980, you can find the link to Brett's page, and it's got all kinds of other information there as well. We've got all kinds of news coming up next, and then we'll talk about recycling. We will talk about full-time counselors and more as London Live continues. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We'll talk some more recycling in just a minute. Yesterday, we were speaking with Carolyn Jarvis. I want to play just a little bit of something she said yesterday because the second part of her series is out today. And it's pretty wild because it actually touches on something that is right close to London, Ontario. So that's coming up in just a minute. I want to get caught up on one other thing. We were talking about a half hour ago or a little over a half hour ago on London Live, about what has become the the dirtiest food. What do you mean dirty food? Well, what's become the dirtiest food? You know, double dipping, that's bad. And science has proven that, yes, that that is bad. Double dipping, that spreads bacteria. Reaching in and grabbing handfuls of popcorn in the same bowl that everybody else is reaching into, that surprisingly not so dirty but the one thing that just still blows my mind that is a dirty food to eat and how much of this have you eaten birthday cake birthday cake blowing out the birthday cake well i got an email from shane saying that blowing out the candle cake tips can be had by making cupcakes One cupcake for the birthday person places one candle on it, and that person blows out the candle, and then there's no blowing on the whole cake. This is brilliant. That's brilliant stuff. Or you can make cupcakes for everybody. Maybe that's where, is that where the cupcake craze started? Somebody saw this and said, I'll never be able to eat birthday cake again. There's no way I'm touching that. Did you blow on that cake? I'm not eating that cake. You know what happens when you blow? I read this study. came from Clemson. Yeah. So Shane says one cupcake for the birthday person, and then you dig into the cake, or you can just do cupcakes all around. Ah, sharing, right? That way you don't have to toss the cake. We don't need more cakes in landfills. Who puts a cake in a landfill? Who puts anything in a landfill? Well, we put a lot of things into landfills. It is going to be an issue in London, Ontario. We know that ours is going to be full, and then what do we do? There's a lot of space out there, but you can't just throw your trash in it. And we're experiencing problems in Canada with putting our trash in various places. And it's not necessarily just our trash. This is not just Toronto's garbage, which is still being trucked here, there, and all over. This is recycling. The stuff that you put out at the end of your lane in the blue box or down in the proper receptacles in your apartment building so that it can be taken away and reused, recycled, so that we can reduce, right? Those are the three R's. Yeah, well, they're not working out as well anymore because China in January of 2018 said, we're closed. No more of this. We're not accepting the world's garbage. And we had a chance to speak with Carolyn Jarvis yesterday. I want to go back to just a little thing that she said yesterday and then highlight what is coming up today 
in the second part of a three-part series on Global National, which is looking into Canada's recycling system and the issues that exist. Here is the issue that Carolyn laid out yesterday. That was the turning point. China said January 1st, 2018, we don't want the world's trash anymore because really we were sending them a lot of dirty recycling, some good quality product and a lot of crap mixed in it, if I can be blunt. Um, And then what happened was the rest of the Asian markets opened up and said, well, I'll take a little bit or I'll take some. Malaysia was a big destination. India became a big destination. And little by little over the course of the last 15, 16 months, those countries have said, whoa, we don't have the capacity of this. I mean, humans globally are making so much waste with the packaging they consume that it is too great for any nation to swallow up, let alone a cluster of nations in the Southeast Asia um, area. So even India said, we don't want your plastics. And India is, you know, a giant in terms of manufacturing and processing capability. So what's happened is North Americans have to look inward to say, where are we actually going to send this? And the answer in some cases is no better than landfill or incinerators. In the U.S. and some cities, they have literally canceled recycling programs. So we haven't done that in Canada yet. And you don't want to see recycling programs canceled. But here's what we need to put some perspective on. When we recycle, we're getting rid of it, and it's going to a processing plant. And there's one not too far away from London, Blue Water Recycling Association. And so they're accepting those sorts of things. And you heard Carolyn touching on the big issue in this. That is finding a buyer for it. We probably didn't take the time to realize that, yeah, that's what we needed. Wait a minute. No, no, no. We recycle it and it gets broken down. It gets reused, right? that's, That's what recycling is. You send it away in the blue box and the big truck takes it away to a place where they reuse it. Yeah, that's how recycling works. No, no, that's not how recycling works. And that's been maybe the big eye-opener so far in this three-part series. So you can see the first part of globalnews.ca. There is part two coming up, which is actually going to focus in on some people you might know because they are from the Blue Water Recycling Association. And what they're looking at is the selling of this. And here is an added challenge. Not just that China is saying, yeah, we don't want this. And then you had a few other nations stepping up saying, oh, if they don't want it, we can maybe take on a little bit more. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not that much. We don't want that much more. No, 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 we, no, not as much as China was taking. And China has really cut back. So here's the other part of this issue that we're dealing with, and that is selling the stuff. So you had certain things that used to be priced pretty well, and now the price has kind of dropped. Aluminum is pretty good in terms of of a sale price, but when they were looking at tons of recycling, even aluminum has dropped off a little bit. In fact, the president of the Blue Water Recycling Association said last year they were selling it for $1,900 a ton. This year it's like $1,300 or $1,400. And then if you take a look at plastic, like in plastic bags that some of them could be recycled, uh, that has fallen. Uh, If you look at mixed papers or cardboards, mixed paper is down 110% in terms of what they were getting for it and what they are getting for it now. And this is all over the course of about two years. The things that are going up, steel cans and a certain type of plastic, but it only only makes up a small part 
of what's actually being recycled. So then we're left to say, okay, well, then we got to cut down on the amount of plastics we're using. How do you do that? How do you even begin to do that? Well, I need this, and it comes in this plastic container. I'm going to buy this, and it comes in this great big clamshell container. So we've got some major issues that, again, will be explored. But the the whole train of thought that, you know, once it's out of sight, it's out of mind, that you put everything in the blue box, off it goes, and then, yeah, it's, it's just recycled from there is something that we've got to get our head around that that's not what's happening. And that's why you see these great big stockpiles in Western Canada. We've seen some in Eastern Canada. We've, we've seen that highlighted by other places in the United States. These pictures either of manufacturing facilities, I guess, you know, can we call them manufacturing facilities? Uh, recycling facilities, maybe that's a better way to say it. And the fact that they have all of this stuff that is still there that they can't seem to get rid of because there's nobody to take it. Or the price is not high enough to make it worthwhile to take it. And some of that's winding up in the landfill. So Carolyn Jarvis has part two of that on Global National tonight. Before we close out the show, we've got to talk full-time counselors and a couple of other things. We'll get to that in just a moment. You want to see full-time counselors in London? Is this coming up again for any good reason? Well, it was brought up today by Ward 1 counselor Michael Van Holst. So we will look back at a couple of things regarding full-time counselors next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We were just talking recycling. Second of a two-part series airs tonight on Global National. Finding places to put it, finding people to buy it. That's been a big issue over the last couple of years that hasn't really been put out there. 519-643-2222. Al, you wanted to say something about recycling. Yeah, it's kind of both two things you said there. The first thing you talked about our landfill being going to run out of space and be full. Well, if that be the case, why is the city expanding and allowing anything from southwestern Ontario to come in to our landfill? If our landfill is that critical, would you not keep it for just London? You know, look after ourselves. Why are we opening it up to the whole community? We already take some from St. Thomas, but... We have to remember this is London's landfill, and if it's full, then London in the future years is going to be in desperate need of a landfill. So why would we let other communities bring the waste to London? Al, I do not have an answer to that question, but you know what? I'm going to find an answer to that question, because I do know for a fact that the landfill has a a shelf life. Yeah. And it will be full at some point, and we have seen expansion, but you're right. Okay, why are we not just keeping it for London, Ontario? It's a fantastic question. Yeah, and the other one is, you talk about the, the green bin and out of sight, out of mind, the waste and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, a, a north side of the city or an east or west side of the city. Well, not even west, north and east area of the city's uh, thoughts. Because South London has been inundated with odors from two facilities, which you know about. Mm-hmm. One compost and one biogas. If the out of sight, out of mind is great for people that don't live near them. It's the old NIMBY thing. And... We need to protect the residents that live where these facilities are placed. Undoubtedly, we have to get rid of our waste somewhere. We have to. There's, you know, that's the future. But why is the government and the city not siding against these facilities? They can fix their odor issues and destroying people's lives that live in South London. And these odors now are being picked up at Southdale and Wellington. The, I, okay, here's, and, and I'm interested, are you living in that area of the city yourself? 
Yes. Okay. Cause I, I, I want to know what a typical day is like and whether you're smelling those odors all the time. Because I find even when I'm driving south of the city, I mean, you can go to Talbotville and sometimes you go, hmm, that's, a, that's an odd aroma right there. And I think that's part of, of what is carrying over. So what is, what is a typical day like? Are you noticing the odors every single day? Uh, pretty much every day we can get one of the facilities because of wind directions. Um, quite often now, I can tell you I've lived here since 1979. I never had the landfill smell on my property until this year. Hmm. Now that, I'm on Dingman Drive, so I'm at Wellington and Dingman. So that smell is traveling all the way from Manning Drive to Wellington and Dingman. And people inside the city into uh, Westminster area, they say they're smelling it too. Now, the other facility is in Greedion, which is putting a smell in that direction to or in my direction. Now, this is a milling smell. It's usually not as offensive as the other ones. But the city is not clamping down on odors in the city, and you can destroy a whole part of the city if it's full of odors. Look at Sarnia, how much trouble some of their areas have. Right. Um, like, why is the city not stepping up? We've been after the city for 12 years. You know, they they said to us straight out, Jay Stanford did, that as long as these facilities are causing issues in South London, we will not use them. Well, they're pushing the green bin, so where's this stuff going to go? They don't want to tell us. You well, know, there's two facilities out here to take it. I know we've had the discussion about odors in the city before when, you know, when some of these facilities opened for the first time years and years ago, but we'll have it again. And, uh, Al, thanks for the call. I have those two questions written down, and I will endeavor to get some answers for you. Okay, thanks. Okay, take Bye-bye. care. 519-643-2222. Let's go to Mark. Mark, how are you doing? Hi. Uh, you know, every time this subject comes up, it's uh, what it is is that they don't want to spend the money to deal with it properly. That's and, what it is. And are, you, are you talking about recycling in general? Are you talking about some of the odors in the city? Both, both to okay. deal with the garbage. There's other places to deal with the garbage, and I can go there. But I, what I'd like to do is share an anecdote with you. Please. And it's a stupid anecdote, but I used to work in the Arctic. And I'm sure everybody knows what a honey wagon is. Mm-hmm. So they spent some, some uh, the government spent $3 million doing an assessment of where the best place to dump the honey wagon was on an island. I can, nem- I can name the community. I can name the people. I can name everything. And I won't right now. There they are. They spend $3 million in the middle of the Arctic, and they put up a chain-link fence at the cost of $3 million for the study in the chain-link fence. And then the guy goes around and does his work, and he discharges the honey wagon within this chain-link area. area. You, the, 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 the difference is between 10 feet on a piece of field. I don't know what the difference is, but it's got to be in this chain-link fence. Now then, for, say, 10 months of the year, it freezes because it's the Arctic. Guess what happens to it in the summertime? Good old springtime thaw. All the all the snow, all the snow, all the frost thaws for about two months, and it runs into the ground and out into the ocean. Yes, yeah. sir. I can I can I can show you that place right on a satellite map. So you know when you get into this thing, of what, why why do we have a problem and not the rest of the world? Why don't you incinerate it? Do you know what they have with heat exchangers now? converting energies and if you put scrubbers on if you incinerated it and put the proper filters and scrubbers on it and they've been talking about this for 20 25 years you would have you could change that to electricity and generate i'm i'm pulling a number 30 percent 20 percent of your electricity for london hey if we were generating any i think you'd have people on board yeah but you see no you want to spend the money so that you have electricity when the wind blows at a specific speed 
you, you see the, 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 oh, the yeah. ludicrousness to it? Yeah. Mark, you, you got me on board for sure. Thanks for the call. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, there's another one to look into, incineration. And because there are countries around the world that do use, there are places that use this. We are going to continue to make waste. And we make more waste now than we probably ever have. Because people don't care. That's what it becomes. 519-643-2222. Last word on this goes to Tom. Okay, I, I, Mike. Well, I'll tell you why uh, our uh, landfills are getting uh, filled up at a at normal pace. It's because of Toronto, because the Dalton McGinn, the Liberals, in order to buy votes in Toronto, they changed. There used to be a law that said you had to get rid of your garbage within your own vicinity. So the, the McGinn Liberals changed that so that they could ship their uh, garbage down to London, Toronto, in order to buy votes, in order to buy Liberal votes. And it's as simple as that. Now we have huge amounts of Toronto garbage. You see those big garbage trucks coming all the they're time from Toronto. There. They're still there, and they're filling it up. I mean, I go by it every day. I don't have any nose hairs left, and I have it for years now. And it's and it's I go by it, and it's it's a, like I go by the one on the four hundred one. I'm not sure exactly which one you're talking about, but it's uh, that, that's why that's why it is. They used to, you know, they had that uh, oh up, up north there. They're going to do that quarry, and they, they just changed it just a, a blatant attempt just to buy Toronto votes because. Liberals do not care about, uh, or, or I mean, rural Ontario, they just care about Toronto. And we saw and that so, government doing whatever it took to try and stay in power and buying votes. You're exactly right. I'm, I'm with you. That's exactly what was going on. And it, it will go on again. I wait to see what the federal government does between now and election time because well, they're not in real, good shape. Real, real quick about the federal government. One, one, just one second. My, my, my buddy was saying to me there yesterday, you know, uh, Trudeau, if the village idiots... We're going to start their own village, and uh, Justin will still be the village idiot. <laughs> Tom, we'll leave it there. Thanks for the call. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Buying votes, that's why, and, you know, we can pin it on liberals. You can pin it on any government. It doesn't matter. As soon as they get desperate, as soon as they risk being pushed out, being beaten in an election, all kinds of bad things happen. Can't wait to see what happens federally, because bad things are going to happen. They always do. Let's take a final break. We'll come back to close out the show in just a moment. So definitely things we are going to look into. Why are we allowing more garbage or outside garbage into our landfill? What are we benefiting? I'll aim to find that out. If not tomorrow, then very soon. We'll talk odors and we'll look at incineration. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Got to thank Dean before we go, and this is just adding to the conversation that will continue on London Live. Dean has sent me an article, and I haven't had time to read all of it, I'm sorry, but essentially what it's looking at is incinerating trash, according to this, is not an effective way to protect climate or reduce waste. And it looks at a number of states in the U.S., because a number of states in the U.S., do have an incineration method. So I'll read through that, and we'll continue that conversation at a later date. Thanks to Matt McInnes for his help. London Live, brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 684 Warncliffe Road South. Jacqueline LaBelle is next with news. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.